you got it. Hey. Hey, can I tell you something? Yeah. Give me fuel, give me five, give me Good day, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you are in the world, good people. We are here, Jamila and Jesse, after the 40th anniversary of Metallica. Metallica had a birthday celebration, if you will, and we were both in San Francisco to celebrate with thousands of other people. And it was an experience <laughs> to say Absolutely. the least. I think we're both heavily processing it still, and I'm sure for a time we'll be still processing, but before this immediately left our minds, we wanted to go over our feelings, our takes, were the songs we wanted them to do, were those done? We just wanted to get through all of that. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, we have, uh, uh, we recorded actually the next day. So we are going to post that. It was, uh, it was heavy, but we wanted to get more into specifics in this episode as well. So I wanted to say, I don't know if you knew this, Jesse, but Monday, at some point on Monday, there was a 6.2 magnitude in California, an earthquake. So what? I, yeah. No, I did not know yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of people before the earthquake happened had just left uh, San Francisco airport SFO. And some people I think were still there and may have felt a little something at the airport. I'm not sure what time the earthquake happened, but I definitely didn't feel it. And I left. No, and I left like late. I left around uh, eight. Or six, oh, actually. Really? I'm sorry, that's six. Six San Francisco time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. It, right it, after the show. <laughs> Look at that. So, <laughs> yeah, they caused the earthquake. <laughs> they caused the earthquake. That is a very funny correlation. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, I, some people did feel it. Apparently, the news I saw, there wasn't not a massive damage. Like, there were some things in stores that got smashed but i think overall there was no major damage again from the time that i read the news story about it i don't know at this point but you know 6.2 is pretty big and i hope everyone's okay yeah. uh, i hope that people found a place of safety wherever they were in the midst of the earthquake and i actually remember when i lived in washington there was a major earthquake that actually affected seattle and I lived in Bellingham, which is about an hour and a half north of Seattle, and I felt a little bit of a shake. So uh, imagine 6.2 wherever you are in California, which already has earthquakes fairly regularly. So this it was just interesting sort of the way time happened. You had this whole 40th anniversary celebration, and then as it ended, an earthquake happened. <laughs> wow. 
know my world shake like an earthquake. It's hard to see clear. Is it me? Is it fear? I'm valiant. I don't know. I don't know if, if the universe was uh, listening to St. Anger. I don't I'm know. I'm Alan Angry Joe. I'm Yeah, I thought that was uh, some interesting news. So, again, hopefully everyone's okay and at a safe place in California. And, uh, my goodness. So, what do we do this weekend, Jesse? What do we do this Oh, uh, we ate a lot of Thai food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah, we did a lot of walking. I did a lot of walking. And so you, you did a lot of walking. I, I did you know, a lot of being pushed. Yeah, being pushed yeah. in the wheelchair. That was really fun. I mean, that's a workout. I looked at my uh, my phone because it you know documents how much walking. And comparatively, yeah, I was walking like 49,000 steps or something like that um, since Thursday. Uh, so it's like, wow. <laughs> but it was really worth it. And we did see Kamasi Washington. Certainly did. <laughs> That's something that I never, you know, that was a wonderful show to experience. Uh, certainly a different vibe in terms of me being there. One thing I can just comment on is like, I just remember, like I closed my eyes during a lot of the performance because mm -hmm. I wanted to just like, I was, I watched the first two, you know, with my eyes, of course, but then the the other two are, are so all right. I close my eyes to just get the vibe and just get get consumed within the music and um it was really a nice vibe i mean it was just you know very i've never seen him live so this is my first experience with him um and yeah it was it was really nice uh i definitely think with you know this whole weekend we did a lot i mean it's just kind of crazy that we're back here now after just kind of just constantly being on the go um when we were not at the show we were either meeting up with some comrades or um you know getting food um meeting random um metallica uh music appreciators <laughs> it just is like we were on a go and the vibe you know they called it a and another thing we did um is we caught some band uh horn players outside that was fun while they jammed to a couple of metallica songs i believe the one that they did in particular is the memory remains and that was really nice that was you know and i think they were from new orleans so shout out to new orleans um yeah it was just like on and on and on and on these processes and really just waiting i mean when we arrived you know where we stayed was really nice and we had access to you know we were in a pretty central place so saw a bunch of people in metallica shirts i mean san francisco i had no idea to the capacity and granted i mean we had a moment where we talked to somebody in the elevator and we told them we were you know metallica fan and he's like oh i'm not a fan of metallica <laughs> um but in spite of you know the fact that the city is pretty supportive and pretty aware of the influence of Metallica is really nice to see because generally everyone's just like yeah Metallica yeah I mean you know <laughs> um and I, I have a, a newfound appreciation and understanding for the the fan base um or just the the collection the collective of Metallica because it's definitely um you know I was just thinking about this earlier my experience with 
the print community is pretty expansive in the sense that, you know, the community is pretty diverse and there's a bunch of different similarities and there's a lot of that community that's just reliant on love for one another. One thing that Prince would say a lot, and I was noticing that with the Metallica fans as well in the Metallica community, is that there's a lot of concern and care. And, you know, when you connect to the music, there's just that acceptance and that that sense of like, hey, yeah, I feel that. Like we we we're we're now connected because you you feel that same type of emotional um, connection as someone else would feel with the music. And um, each of the musicians, you know, have their own different expressions. So, um, and yeah, I mean, so there's that. There's watching the movies for three hours or six hours, three movies. Um, <laughs> it was a lot, a lot. Yeah, I, w- I would say it was more seven hours because there was an intermission in between. That's right. <laughs> Seven hours. Great movies. Great. Uh, I mean, and of course, you've seen them. Not in, the, not on the big screen. This was our first time both seeing it on the big screen. My first time seeing them, mm-hmm. just for the first time. Totally. Yeah. Yes. It, it's like. Yeah. So they had it with the Metallica Film Fest, and they showed Cliff Amal. They showed cunning stunts, and then they showed the Mexico City Ciudad de México shows like. From the three nights. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have seen all of those, of course. <laughs> and I wanted to see them on the big screen. So I said, let's go see. I got tickets. And, yeah, we we stayed there for the full time. Most people had left. There were some people that <laughs> stayed with us. It was freezing in there. They had to keep the circulation going because it's no COVID. But they... uh yeah it it was it was great to see yeah i don't know it's it's like seeing um like people see saw the s and m show on screen i have not of course again on a laptop seeing that stuff but because they have all that stuff on d v d but yeah it was great to see just how technologically advanced things got <laughs> you said the v Cliff Mall, yeah. To, yeah. Cliff Mall, it's like, whoa, look at that. <laughs> Difference quality. Uh, it was really nice to see that. I enjoyed actually all of those films and, you know, shows because even though it wasn't every Metallica era and I didn't see what it was like during, you know, 93 or um, what is it, Injustice for All. There's a bunch of periods, you know, I didn't see. I did like that I got to see all of the three bass players because it provides context to to uh, them as a band, as a whole. And I can't remember what's the other guy, Josh, Joshua, is it? The other bass player? What are you player? talking about? Who's the other bass player? Oh, there's Cliff, there's Jason, and there's Jason. Josh. Jason. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. So yeah, it was nice seeing all of the bass players. Um, but Jason Jason Curtis Newstead, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was definitely I mean Metall I'm still and I was just like listening to them again today. And I can tell and I know I'm gonna eventually arrive at the point where I'll be able to join in and sing all of the lyrics because I'm all about the lyrics anyway. And I'm getting there. I'm not there yet because you know, there's still a lot to process, but it's so nice listening to their music. 
but I really like in particular reading a lot of, you know, the lyrics right after I'm listening or while I'm listening, because it just kind of hits harder and it, you can really see and feel you know, all of these, the, the, the delivery also, like, um, I just really appreciate that. And we're going to get into that when we talk about the actual shows, but I think really listening to Metallica for me has been about really going in with with where that sound is leading and it goes so many places but then when you're reading and you're hearing you know these words are connecting to pain and, and, and isolation sadness but also a sense of healing from that and forgiveness so it's it's a lot of um emotional weight you know because you know you're reading it and then the passion as expressed through the the music playing is just top tier because these are brothers that have been doing it for 40 years so you got all of those levels and emotions and contradictions and just everything in one setting and it just takes you it it takes you on another on another way and so many fans can you agree <laughs> absolutely yeah the the band you were talking about when it was the the first night of all this going on, what they considered the celebration, those uh, the MJ's Brass Boppers Brass Band. Yes. And um, so there's Second Line Brass Band. You're very familiar with Second Lines being from New Orleans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second Line. I got it. Yeah. So there was actually in the 30th, um, they had the Brass Band as well. So I figured maybe that would be included in the 40th, but um, given, you know, all of the, the circumstances with COVID, with everything going on, I think, yeah, uh, it was best for them to not have. Right. Yes. I think the way they did it, it worked out fine. And I'll talk a little bit about that later if I remember. But <laughs> I think that I'll just say there were some questions. Why didn't James talk a lot? Why this? Why that? I, I think. Honestly, I think they let the music talk. I think this, yeah. is, this, is, this is the 40th anniversary of everything we've done, and we're just going to let the music talk. I think it's great when they have the banter in between, but given, uh, I'm going to say logistically, I'm sure there was a curfew at the chase. There's also the live streaming that happened through Amazon slash Coda. So I think they couldn't really have a lot of banter or do a lot of this stuff they do. They've done at their other shows or especially at the 30th where it was four nights and they just had more or less a free for all. And they had tons of guests who were in their lives at some point, past members of Metallica, um, folks who they did cover songs of. So they had Glenn Danzig there. Had, you know, so it was just a lot of, things that you know didn't necessarily occur at the 40th like they would have at at, at they had at the 30th like king diamond was there um so i i think there was it was still something very special despite the lack of bells and whistles i think even with the 30th there weren't really any bells and whistles it was at the fillmore so <laughs> at a smaller space but I don't know. Uh, again, we'll talk a, a little more about what was so special about it. But um, I think the 
weekend was more honestly I, I think Lars said it it was more of a celebration of San Francisco they started in more or less in San Francisco they technically started in LA but really when they found Cliff he said yeah y'all can have me in the band but you have to move to San Francisco and I think that's where things really got rolling so for them to say yeah this is this is our base San Francisco I think that would that may not technically have been correct but I think where the band got started in terms of with Cliff and sort of catapulted into where they are now I would say San Francisco so I think ultimately yes it was a celebration of Metallica they were celebrating their anniversary but it was really given again COVID given all of the things happening it was like hey let's support San Francisco and I think um, that is what Lars was very clear about and, um, throughout the event uh, and you know Metallica being one of the larger faces of repping, repping SF, I think, hey, let's do this. Let's combine all of these things. And they had uh, with uh, SF Marim, the food bank, I actually participated in that. So all within my hands, which is the foundation through Metallica, uh, they did a beach cleanup uh, on the morning of the 18th. And then on the 17th, um, they did a... Uh, pop-up food bank or food pantry and so I participated in that and ended up meeting some folks on the forums I am on the forums <laughs> so I met some folks and it was great uh, they ended up feeding about 400 families which is really really nice that people um, will be able to have something to eat and uh, I know they were saying they were pretty short staffed so if anybody is in San Francisco Listening to this podcast, go and check out SF Marin and sign up with them and do some shifts and help them out. I think they're definitely doing a wonderful thing in the community because food insecurity is a big thing. I've experienced it and uh, many people have. So it's, uh, please, please, if you're in San Francisco, still either through celebrating um, the 40th, or if you live in San Francisco, please, please do some work with the food bank. I mean, just do some work anyway in the community. Right. But, you know, if you're like, I love Metallica, and uh, I, I think one of the things I do appreciate because a lot of celebrities are like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be part of this nonprofit, and then it's more of a show. But I think just from what I've seen, I think that they're really serious about the work and they do support uh, working class folks. Uh, that is one thing I do support um, or appreciate about Metallica. That like we understand that, you know, we may have a ton of money and that, you know, there's definitely uh, uh, class differences there, but um, utilizing time and energy to bring attention to food insecurities, to class disparities. I think that, that is something I do appreciate about Metallica and just not making it about the music like hey we're gonna go to this concert and that's it and you're gonna make a bunch of trash and people have to clean up it you know it's like okay <clears throat> understand that there are these situations that occur and we want to contribute to making the community a better place 
making sure um, there is less food insecurity. So uh, that is one thing that I did. And uh, I had a great time. Yeah, if I lived in San Francisco, I'd be all over that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I, I mean, they have things obviously all over the world, um, but those kind of things that me being an amputee and everything, I'm not able to get out as much. But uh, rest assured, when I get my leg, <laughs> I'm going to be, you know, be doing, doing more stuff. So um, I just thought it was great for them to say, hey, here's things going on that have nothing to do with us. And you can participate with that. So uh, much respect there. Much respect there. Much respect. But, yeah. And then we went to see Kamafi Washington. As you mentioned, I saw Kamafi Washington five years ago for the Epic tour. Uh, the Epic was one of my favorite albums that year. Jazz is my favorite music. And when I saw Kamafi Washington was going to be an SF, uh, and it was actually, uh, I don't know if they had coordinated uh, initially with Metallica is like, hey, you know, Mafia, you, you know, I mean, he's from that area, but I don't know if it was initially coordinated or if it was like, hey, I'm going to be in town. Okay, we'll coordinate that way. I don't know how they did it logistically, but uh, I was very happy that Kamasvash is going to be in SF when we were there. So I said, let's go, Jesse. And it was wonderful. And I feel like you said it was an hour and a half set. It didn't feel that way at all to me. Yeah, it was seven songs. It was definitely wow. seven songs. So it was very much just that. And it was like, wow. And then, yeah, seven songs. Mm-hmm. That's it. Wow. <laughs> He's wow. like, I came and I now leave. Because <laughs> when I saw him, I feel like it was maybe two hours set. Uh, yeah, was he was not touring. two hours. Yeah. yeah, it was touring for the epic and they did, uh, I think they may have done a couple covers. Yeah, it was great. Kamasi, I love Kamasi Lachman, so I was very happy yes, to I be at that show. I know there was a uh, Taipei Houston, so it's uh, Lars's son, so it's Otto, which is Rob's son, who is a spitting image of his father. So a lot of people were at those shows, and <laughs> we went to a jazz show. There was also the wedding band, which occurred right after the first 40th anniversary show so people went directly to the film war to go to the wedding band show and I wanted to go to that but I said I am in a wheelchair <laughs> that's just that's okay. too much that's too much to be doing all of that but I heard that people had a great time and I'm really happy and one thing I saw was they were there till three in the morning I guess they did two wow. sets or something so I hey yeah, I think that, you know, as long as people had a good time, that, that's a great thing. <laughs> but I was pretty, you know, being on the plane. And, yeah, I, I think I would have been pretty tired. So I don't know how people did it. But that, that's great that they they could do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so if uh, anyone listening is not aware, the wedding band is a cover band. And uh, Roberto Trujillo and Kirk Lee Hammett are in the wedding band, and there are members of Ugly Kid Joe. I think for this show, there were members of Death Angel. Like, there's it's sort of like a super group, if you will. 
they do cover songs. I think they did a cover of Word Up. I was like, okay. <laughs> and they did, uh, you know, they've done uh, Rare Earth. I just want to celebrate that. So, you know, they do uh, all kinds of stuff and it's a good time. And uh, yeah, but again, I don't know, which I don't know. People would have been bumping into me. I don't know. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad people had a good time at all of those shows. I think that's great. They had uh, a lot of things to do. I'm glad that, um, you know, I, I love how proud they are of their children. They're like, come to our kids' bands. They're doing a thing. Go support our kids. I, lo- I just love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh, uh, and so, yeah, we met, as you mentioned, we met some folks in the Met Club community, the fifth members. So that was, uh, we met folks who don't even know their names, but they were really nice. Ended up uh, meeting Bryce, who I uh, had, we, we communicated through email for a while. We both were like, oh, we're going to the 40th. Oh, my goodness. Ah, let's meet up. So we did that. And then to find out that, uh, you and Bryce are both in Minneapolis, so hopefully y'all get to hang out. That'll be, that'll yeah. Be oh, good. let me tell you what's funny. I didn't mention. So, like, literally when I got on the plane, he literally, like, you know, it was a full flight. So he was one of the last people to, he sat right in front of oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He sat right in front of me. He was like, oh, it was meant to be. And then right afterwards, like, we, we met up because he waited for me as I, I was leaving the plane, and he gave me a card, so I'm gonna download this album and listen to that pretty soon. Midnight Notions. Midnight Notions. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. I was like that's hilarious. Like he was one of the last people to to come in, and he sat right in front of me, right in front of me. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> wow, I'm glad y'all met. I'm glad y'all met. And then uh, we also met Bryce's friend, Adrian. And so yes. we had a great time. <laughs> you know, they, they had, you know, we were in nosebleeds. They had closer seats, but we met up before the show. And then we ended up meeting this guy named Mike. So we went to this mall and ate some food. And then we were talking about Hugh Tanner. So I think the conversation that we were talking about, um, so the first Bass player in Metallica is James Hetfield. So we started talking about that. So people are like, Ron McGum, no. James Hetfield was actually the first bass because he played bass in Rhythm Guitar and Hit the Lights in the Metal Massacre compilation. So I know he's not, because it was not officially Metallica, but in terms of playing Metallica songs, he was the first bass player. And then there was Ron McGovney. So there were a bunch. There weren't just three bass players. There were other ones. And so we started talking about Hugh Tanner, who introduced a James to Lars because they were friends and played music together and band together in Leather Charm. <laughs> and uh, so then I see a family walking towards us with Metallica shirts. So I say, hey, you know who Hugh Tanner is? And the dude was like, Hugh Tanner, yeah! Let me right. tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> so like- that was great. That was that was great, and then yeah, he sat with us for a while. We talked about he, you know, yeah. I just wanted to mention uh, he was one of the people who again highlighted and showed to me because he shared a personal story and where in which he had gone through some. You know, he had a fire, 
and he communicated to the fan club or he had mentioned he had a fire and a bunch of people had sent him, you know, shirts and just were, you know, given him, pro- provided for him and gave him that type of grace in a time in which he needed it. And it just kind of showed to me, like, again, that aspect to a community where people and you were just coming in to that effect as well. Like, yeah, that's that's what happens. Like people will be willing to give out plectrums or whatever else if if people are in need like there's just a a sense of community there that is definitely not uh experienced amongst every community because there's a lot of you know there that doesn't have to be the case but it's nice to see that that is there um so yeah i'm glad you got to see that um really nice it was moving i'm glad it's just awesome he came around. He's like, I got to just tell y'all this story now. Like, he just was like, yeah, I'm just going to tell y'all this story. Cause he, and, you know, just sharing that story and meeting, um, meeting James, meeting Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> I mean, it was just kind of like, wow, you know. And then, you know, coming together because of the music and, and seeing, and because now I'm understanding and I'm, again, processing still. When I look at all of those band members individually, Pretty soon, I'm gonna also have to watch the movie, uh, some kind of monster. I know I gotta do my homework, y'all. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but all of these things are really coming. I mean, the more I'm learning about just their, uh, the effect of you know the sound and and how it's uh, and all of these people gather together, you know, and you know people have been going to the one, you know, one before this one, the 30th. It just it really shows you the the layers to uh to this this band <laughs> like like yo <laughs> <laughs> so i was yeah i'm really glad you got to share this experience to, to see because you know you weren't because you said that your idea of metallica is oh loud music and these and so right but, yeah. What would be from all of this? What would be your takeaway now? Just not just from listening to the albums, but the experience of the concerts, the experience of meeting folks in the Metallica family. What what has been you know, a, if not the takeaway from all of this? Uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's like genuine engagement. Like I like like the audience. And like the music and the harmony that's established at a Metallica concert is unparalleled. Like I never felt the like seeing people shake their like oh my goodness like when I was the first show I don't know if it was I, I'm sure these people worked at the venue but you know they had long hair and they were just like shaking it like to a level that was so in sync with the sound it was like everyone was like oh you know like just the call and response it felt like a genuine attachment to the music like the the music itself was attached to the bodies of the people like you even like you were just in the the music to a point where it was like your body your hands your head your everything was just like in sync with what was playing and it was just like really amazing to see that because it's a it's just kind of how it was. Like I can I can relate to that on some level because I know being at a Prince show, you know, you know all the lyrics, you know whether that can come in, and you could just go in with it. But it felt also like those emotional songs, like the heavy ones, 
can really can take you by surprise and you just you know you get those chills and you reach that place where it's like it's beautiful because you're experiencing but you're also going back to the times in which you if you first experienced them and so it's like it's healing but it's also somber it's it's you know it's 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 a lot to process but it's also wonderful because you know, you're seeing these dudes play this stuff years after they recorded it and the changes that they are feeling when they play it because they're certainly not playing it like they you know played it when they first um recorded it so it's um it's a very interesting exchange but i I definitely feel now being into it it's not it's the perfect loud music like it's not even about it being like loud music it's like it's the type of it's like a sonic metallica sounds almost like because it's soulful and it's rhythmic and it's it's like it's it's pounding right but it's at the same time it has these changes where you know you get these these soft tones and melodies it's very melodic as well so it's not like you're just being screamed at you're being kind of put into all of these different it can go through all these different changes but it it really it soothes it soothes you at the end because it's like you know and then that and i love how they end songs a lot of the time it's just like it's just like you know and everyone's just like (laughs) but uh i don't know if that answers your question but that's that's uh no that's your answer (laughs) 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 no i just i mean you already know i just left it to the universe and left it to the music and for me it wasn't a concert it was an experience and i know people say oh it's the metallica no it really again we'll talk about that but uh, for me my experience with metallica is about way more than the music and that's how i felt about mj where for him uh, the reason i appreciate him is because it's something beyond the music and he's been a person as a figure or whatever uh, that has represented some aspects of my life in terms of the soundtrack, in terms of studying him. And so I think Metallica is the same way for me, uh, particularly within um, the past year or two, but especially since I've had this accident and working to heal from that. It's definitely been a massive soundtrack of my life and to have a culmination of all these experiences through this critical concert it, it just it hit me a lot <laughs> and uh so we're gonna actually play our discussion that we had the day after uh, the concert so we're gonna do that and then we're gonna come back and have more of a conversation around what we wanted to hear and did we get our wishes and then we're going to talk about the actual shows i was just sitting here crying this has been a very emotional experience for me and uh it i just i'm still processing it for me the first show was more for the fans. I think the second show was more for Metallica and specifically 
for James Hetfield. I don't know if that's true, and I most likely am reading a lot into much of what I'm saying and will say, but it was just, it was, it was a special time. I personally didn't look at it as a show, but for me, I looked at the first part, which was a Friday, the 17th of December, and Sunday with the 19th of December, I looked at the first show as sort of my material experience. So all of this happening with the accident, thinking about me being 14 years old, getting into Metallica, seeing them at 15, just having turned 15, and then being at the show and experiencing them over the years and having their music be a huge part of my journey um, in terms of healing um, from the trauma of the accident, etc. And also a lot of the emotional stuff. And uh, Fixer came on. And I, I don't know, can... I honestly don't remember a lot because I was processing and just in the moment, but I, can you? When Fixer <laughs> came on, let's just say Jamila lost it. She was completely overwhelmed by the experience to the point to where she literally, <laughs> she made sure she had, she unloosed her wheelchair and went over to the nearest guy and was like, they're doing Fixer. They're doing Fixer. And he's like, Oh, oh yeah okay but she was so overwhelmed by it she just could not believe it i don't think most people who are huge metallica appreciators expected that so her response was completely like over like like that was a whole night they're doing they did fix her they did fix her they did fix her do you do, do you not understand um and it, yeah it was just an overwhelming exciting um moment to experience because it was just like you know the lyrics to fixer and just all of what that song means for so many metallica um fans and music appreciators clearly takes them to that level it makes sense and then just the day after i read the lyrics again and i'm like i was just getting chills because i'm like yeah i can imagine experiencing it in unison with the band for the first time and it just causing all of those emotions um, tears and memories and all of those reflections. Um, so yeah, the first night in particular with that song, um, and Trapped Under Ice, of course, <laughs> and a couple other songs that a lot of people were not Shortest expecting. Straw. Shortest Straw. Oh, I lost yeah. it. King Nothing. <laughs> Gotta mention that. Um, yeah, it was so overwhelming. It was just like, I can just say for myself, you know, this was my first Metallica show, never seen them live. So seeing these two shows were really special. Um, the band from Lars to James to Kurt to uh, Rob. Yeah. Wow. Like those are incredible musicians who really, you can see that they take concern and care and love to what they're doing like you you know that they're doing it because of that genuine love and that genuine um feeling of having everyone experience what they're able to just 
put in and just give to us so freely. It was it was really beautiful to to just also look at the crowd, like look at everyone in that Chase Center building just in unison to those songs and excited for what, you know, 40 years of Metallica. And I know for you, Jamila, you know, listening to them as a young girl, 14, <laughs> and then now um, just experiencing them in this way, I can't imagine all of those emotions you feel because that's a, I mean, they, it's like having someone in your life for that long and seeing them evolve throughout the years and you can learn with them and they can learn with you and you have all these experiences to bounce back off of. It's emotional because you're, you're like looking through the diary of your life through their songs, through their performances. You're witnessing the first time you experience it, the second time you experience it, or the times where it was the most relevant, the times where it hurt the most, the times, you know, all of it just kind of comes to a, a full fusion. And it's just like, wow, you know, and yeah, so the first show, the second show, both shows were excellent. I think I definitely saw something that a lot of people, unfortunately, may not see again. Um, and I say that for everyone who was there at the 40th, it just, I, I can't speak for everybody, but. So yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm sharing with Jamila in the sense that I want to watch those performances again since they were streamed just to, you know, experience it double time. But experiencing it while it was going on was just, I couldn't find the words. I was just so hyped and so amped at the sound. It just sounded amazing. They sounded amazing. And the energy that was just there and just experiencing it with you the first night, Jamila, I mean, Jamila was just in it. She had all of the lyrics down packed. We were all just like the whole time, just like surprised at a lot of the selections of songs and the way it all kind of came together. You know, the fact that they did pretty much songs from all of their catalog and was able to present their entire, you know, 40 years of just all of the changes, all of the the things that would come within 40 years. A lot of people can't even make it that long. And the fact that they, and they had definitely all of those monsters, some kind of monster um, to deal with, but the integrity of the band was really seen. I was able to really see from a, like just how they talked to each other, how they played with each other. It felt like they really they had enough time to put in to where it makes sense to why the 40th was the way it was because it it felt it felt really just like I felt good to be there. I was happy to be a part of that, especially as someone who's not really aware of their um, you know, not never seeing them live. To see them live for that for those two times was just I'm glad I can say I was at those shows because it was just phenomenal and I mean I'm still processing there's still the riffs that are going through my head and just the guitar solos and um, just the welcoming of what this I mean because I knew this was coming we were all expecting it and then here it is and it's just like wow Metallica yeah, yeah uh, so I wow Obviously, I'm still processing it, and to really, again, for the first show, 
process it in a material way. The second show for me was much more spiritual experience. And the Day That Never Comes, which was in the first show, that song means a very specific thing to me. But to see the montage with folks around the world really, really gave it another level. And it just showed like this is people connect with this band around the world for various reasons. And it just it just hit me right there. So to round that out with the second show, I was thinking a lot about my life, where I am uh, in terms of the relationship with my mother. Um processing everything that happened to me um, with the trauma of the accident and for them to do end of the line I just oh they started with hardwire and end of the line and dirty window I just I I, they just they just they came out with a bang and so I feel like the first half, so the, the first show, I feel like the sound was kind of weird. It was kind of muddied and and James kind of was buried. The vocals were buried. But to me, it's ever like oh, complaining about say anger. It's just the, the emotion was still just the emotional connection was still so pivotal to me in the second show. It all came together where you know, processing all this stuff. And when they did Bleeding Me, which is another song, I really wanted to, I wanted to hear that song. And when James at the end said, it's, it's selfishly therapeutic, it just, I felt like all the stuff I was feeling and thinking, like the, they didn't say much, but it just, it made so much sense that oh, when Bleeding Me was on, I said, thank you, God, for um, for Metallica being in my life. And that is what I said throughout the song, because that's another song that is just very emotional to me. And it was, it was therapeutic to hear that song. And then when James Hetfield said, the song is emotionally therapeutic, or uh, selfishly therapeutic. I said, what is going on? And then they did Unforgiven, and I just, I teared up. And then he did Fade to Black, and and Unforgiven, the the greatest solo in all of Metallica. Uh, And to hear just Kirk, just, that was so perfect. That was so, I just, oh, and just that song of course is very emotional for me and then to hear fade to black um and just a lot of like just having very very recent um, mental health crises where i did i came seconds uh, away from ending my life and um i mean that's happened in my life before living with depression and everything but it meant just just being at this the show and experiencing and that just having happened to me uh, a week or so before this show and for them to do it and 
Ezra James Hetfield to say this is dedicated to people who are struggling and are afraid to tell someone and you are not alone like that just I, I don't I don't know like that just that like, it was just it was a lot for me and so I know you know faith in black is a standard and a lot of stuff they did but it was just very it, it was a very spiritual experience for me to to be there and to experience that and for again the little that James Hetfield said for you know talking about being therapeutic it makes me wonder if you know he's going through stuff as well and then to see the end when they all embrace it made me think of the rock and roll hall of fame embrace between him and Lars and I love that moment. It, it was very similar where, you know, he, he thanked everyone and he thanked the crew and then he thanked his brothers in the band and Kirk was there and just kind of like, he's like, I'm talking to you, Kirk. And just knowing the struggles they've been in together to see that moment, it just... It hit me so much, like this night just hit me, and I know people are talking about just the set of the music, but for me, it was beyond that. It was just this. These are these four people who created this experience, and I think logistically it was streamlined because maybe there's a curfew at Chase. There's also COVID. There's um, it was also being live streamed, so I think they weren't able to do a lot of the bells and whistles they did at the 30th. Uh, but I think that, you know, not talking much or whatever, I think they meant business. And it was like, we're going to let the music speak. We're not going to say much, but like you're here for the music and the music connects with each of you in a specific way. We may not know most of you personally, but you're here because you connect with the music and you connect with us. And I really feel like that's what it was. And, you know, to see someone like James Hetfield be the shy kid that Dave Mustaine was doing most of the talking, to see him go, and sort of like berate the audience because they're not loud enough or whatever, but just to see where he's at now as a 58 year old man and to see all of them mature Kirk is 59 Lars and James are 58 I think Rob is 57 and so just to see where they are and the maturity they've encountered experience it was a lot for me and again just being in that moment like I hope to see I hope to see it again so I can sort of be looking on the outside because when I was there, it was just, I was in the moment at every song. Uh, it was just a lot of special moments and that they did for fans and music appreciators. And uh, like, we'll go more into detail about stuff, but I think this is just the like, we're here and we're trying to just you know, process or whatever. This is sort of like the moment after the show of processing, but yeah, 
it's uh I don't know I'm gonna I'm gonna go cry some more like this was a lot for me um yeah I don't know before we turn this part off you wanna <laughs> well yeah processing is definitely is something that takes time because you know you're having to go through memories you're having to go to feel and um just be one with one let's just say that yeah (laughs) so it's it it takes you know time but definitely what i feel right now is just gratitude and i feel your emotion connecting with the music because i know reading your article and just reading what you've experienced and how metallica has come back into this stratosphere and the way that they have with the 40th it just it, it takes a whole new meaning i can't wait to listen to the album again you know, because now I have a, a different, I can approach their music from a, a higher place because I've been in that place, um, at least experiencing it live to where it just, tra- like, I can't even describe the way all of those emotions were able to translate as well as they were, but it was just like being covered or blanketed with Metallica and just the weight of what that means, the weight of, you know, the lyrics and just how far one can go if they're really listening and just hearing all of that emotion being put into it. So yeah, I'm just grateful. I'm excited um, to listen to more of what Metallica has done. Um, And I just feel like this was just like the perfect um, experience because it it just, it, it makes, and it is making so much more sense to the things that are even going on in my life and how I'm able to connect with, just the passion and the consistency of um, going for with the music and, and, and experiencing it all together from all memories. So I'm excited and I can't wait to, yeah, later we'll have more to say, but yeah, I'm just still like, wow, yo. And the memory remains. And the memory <laughs> remains, yes. <laughs> So my goodness, so the songs that we wanted to hear, did they happen? So did you get to hear what you wanted to hear, Jesse? I did hear some of the songs that I wanted to hear. Uh, uh, amongst them, uh, King Nothing. I always mention that. Oh, um, man, when that came on, you, you stood uh, up. Yeah, I stood <laughs> up. I was like, oh, because that, you know, it starts off with that bass. It's just like, ooh. And that was so nice to see. I mean, it's like seeing it the way I hear it, but in a trans, you know, in a live setting. And it was just wonderful with the, the shout out to the to the graphic and the uh, lighting and everyone involved in the team to make that experience the way it was because it took it up a notch. Um, and so, yeah, that was really wonderful to hear. Um, I, I mean, I was really going in it with the, cause I, I knew, you know, this is the 40th. So it's like, yeah, they're going to do stuff from all of their career, but the songs that particularly, you know, got me, um, was, you know, I, I was really here to, and they did play, um, what else is, is it that I wanted to hear that I didn't. All within my hands. They didn't play. They did not, but they did play Frantic from, you know, St. Anger. Anger. I love that 
song. I remember listening to it recently, actually, in my car. Um, and I just played it loud. Like, I just, like, I don't listen to this song loud. Like, I just was in the mood to play. And I was like, oh, my, this sounds so good. Like, it's just, those guitars just, like, it just sounds so good. And so I was so surprised to hear that. But even more to surprise, even more surprised that he did Dirty Window, the next show. But, like, we'll get to, ooh, we'll get to. <laughs> but yeah, Frantic was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, they didn't play also um, Devil's Dance, but again, they did do King Nothing. So, uh, that's your song. That's your song. Yeah. <laughs> you you were kind of chilling and into it, but that came on. You shot straight up. Yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> you go off with this the next with the town King Nothing. <laughs> I I obviously uh, oh man so this oh, is, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I wrote on the forums on November 17th I said if they do Fixer it would be like a scene from Scanners at the Chase Center if you've seen that movie you know what I mean have you seen Scanners Jesse No I have not seen Scanners so people's heads explode that's all I'm say that <laughs> okay that's basically what would happen if you were just in it. And that's what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That, that's right. what happened. I can, re- I can, you know, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. But this is what I said. I said, I feel like that's the one song they will go out never having done live. And they'll announce that at their final show. They will play the opening notes and go, psych, good night, y'all. So that's what I wrote on November 17th. I also said, I want to see them do Mama Said, but I don't think they will do that. I also want to see Trapped Under Ice. Bleeding me, <laughs> hero of the day. That was just your life. Suicide and redemption. House Jack built dirty window. Disposable hero spit out the bone. Bullet, or just a bullet away. But I specifically and especially want to see blackened, the full version, plus the acoustic version. But they might not do any of that. So that is what I wrote on November 17th. Guess what they songs they did? Some of these songs that I wanted, I was like, so they did Trapped Under Ice, Bleeding Me, <laughs> Dirty Window, and Spit Out the Phone, and Fixer. Yes. I didn't even include Fixer on my wish list because I was like, they're not doing it. And let me so just that confirm was- to y'all, before oh, the sure. show, we were in the gift <laughs> car, and we were talking about, you know, what do you, you know, different things. what do you think they're going to do? And somehow another Fixer came on, and she went on this rant. That came from such a place of confidence. I mean, she's like, no, they're, they're not doing it. No, they're, they're not doing it. No, they're, I'm like, just the whole time, I'm like, but no, Jamila, like, you don't, no, no, they're, they're not doing it. She was so, so sure. I have never heard her be so sure of anything more than they're not doing it. So when they, when that song came on, she looked at me like, I was like a deer in the head. Like she's like, you don't understand. You you, you don't understand. You know, yeah. as I was mentioning the first time in the recording, I was. She was just like, they're doing fixer. Like y'all, y'all don't get it. Like everywhere we went, it was they're doing fixer because <laughs> you said you had no. You was just like, no, it's just you know, they're not they're not doing it. They're not doing it, and they did it. <laughs> <laughs> they did it. I can't, I can't believe it to this day they did. So, yeah. So the other, 
<laughs> so you can listen to the last episode. But the songs that I wanted to hear that they did, and we listed them on the last episode, Day That Never Comes. They did the first Unforgiven. The Dirty Window. Yes. Dirty Window. What else, what else is on my list? Well, they didn't do, no, they didn't do that. Spit Out the Bone. Uh, Frantic. Oh, my goodness. Bleeding Me. Shortest Straw. Shortest Straw. <laughs> so that, those are on the list. And they did those. So, uh, so now we're going to get into the actual shows. My goodness. <laughs> so they, I'm sure at this point, anyone who has seen it knows they did the first evening. They, they did both of them chronologically. But the first one was from the first to last album. And then the second show they did last to first. So, you know, when they played Hit the Lights, then it's like Creeping Death, people are like, oh, yeah, okay, they're, okay. And then they did Trapped Under Right. It was like, okay, they're doing chronologically. Okay. They're trying to figure it out. So um, we were like, okay. But, but some of them, they did two songs and some of them, they did one. So we still try to figure out, okay, which ones are getting two songs and what's going on. So one thing I thought was, you know, after the first show, I thought, oh, they're doing Hit the Lights is the first song on the first album and then Spit Out the Born is the last song on the last album. But they didn't really do it that way. But it was just interesting how they did it. So Hit the Lights. Okay. So I know, again, you said you're going to go and re-listen to the catalog. But I'm interested in your thoughts around, okay, like, were you kind of familiar with the songs? I know uh, again, like King Nothing. I guess, but in terms right, of yes. no, I I did. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was an, I'm familiar enough to recognize. You know, Hit the Lights is a classic. You know, and, and by classic, I mean that's one. You know, when it's gonna come on, it's gonna get all the people who really like Metallica, like the the dot the beginning, the ones listening to Metallica in the beginning, to be like, yeah. Yeah, it lights because um, it, it has. So I do register with that. And, and that song in particular has it just it's like I, the, it's just like the title. It's the lights like you, as soon as it begins, it's like you you're off for the races. And I think that's what I like about it, because it's like immediate like shot of energy when you when it's played and it gives you that. And, 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 and then the lyrics are done in a way where everyone can just participate really easily too so don't left a little that kicks back to my head <laughs> that's a little madness so yeah it's the light yeah no <laughs> so i i remember when i first heard the song i thought yeah it's like misheard lyrics so i thought they're saying hit the lights tonight because there's that echo. It's like hit the lights, 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 lights. But I thought it was, that hit the lights tonight. And I was like, okay. And then you look at the lyrics. I'm like, there's no tonight. What's going on? But it's, <laughs> hit the lights tonight. <laughs> I thought he said hit the lights tonight. But it's not that. It's just hit, hit the lights. lights. 
But yeah, when they did that, I was like, okay, it's on. It's on. They started with Hit the Lights and didn't start with Whiplash. So I was like, okay. Because when they did, uh, was it the independent show? And they did a few of the smaller shows prior to the 40th. They started with Whiplash. So it's like, all right. But they started with Hit the Lights, which makes sense because, again, it was the first song on Metal Massacre yeah. before they were even officially Metallica. So that makes absolute sense to start Hit the Lights. Now, what I saw, which apparently was not what happened, was from where I was sitting, where we were sitting, I thought it was just James and Lars on stage, which to me, that just grabbed my heart because, again, it was like they started out with Metallica. So when you had the first, as we just talked about earlier, uh, we had... Lars on drums and James was on bass and rhythm guitar. And you had Lloyd Grant, yeah. Lloyd Grant on lead guitar. So I was like, okay, so it's just them on stage. And then, then I saw Rob and Kurt come on stage, but apparently they were already on stage. But what I saw was just James and Lars. So y'all really like ruined my day no even if ruined my day <laughs> but i really it just really warmed my heart to see both of them on stage because that's where they started so that's what my mind saw and i guess that's not what actually was but it just really i don't know in my mind i'm gonna keep it with just lars and james on stage because i think that would have been really perfect so it's like here's how we started and then you know, kind of going to the second night really quickly uh, when, because we're going to get to it anyway. So oh, yeah, <laughs> when, of course. When they did Whiplash, um, it was just like, hey, here's a song that, you know, me and Lars wrote. So it just, it started with those two and then the 40th ended with like Lars. And, so I just, I don't know. It, it just, I feel like that element meant a lot to me just from my, again, vantage point. If that's not what really happened, I'm okay with that too. But just from what I saw, it just, it, I was like, okay, this is how we're starting it. And I, I just thought that was a really special moment. But then the reality was not what I saw. <laughs> but I'm going to keep it that way. I'm going to keep my memory that way. That memory remains for me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we have Creeping Death. And that's a staple. So they do that pretty much every concert. But it's one of the crowd participation. Die, die, die. You saw everyone yeah, just right. die, 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 die. Yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things that like, you could never get tired of keeping death. And I just, it's a great, it's a great song. Um, so yeah, what were your, like, you know. Yeah, I really, like, that's, I really enjoyed Creeping Death. Because it was, yeah, it's a song, again, that audience participation. Just like, yeah, yeah. And, it, and then I was listening to it um earlier today, and it's just like, because it's from uh, uh ride just, the lightning, ride the lightning, yeah. And so I was like, this is a, this is a, this is a, this is a godly song. Yeah, it's about the Passover. It's, it's about, about the Passover. Exactly. This is about the Passover. Like every time I listen, I'm like, yo, they need to play this in church. It was like. <laughs> Except not the live version, if you know what I mean. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh yeah, yeah, not the live version. Not yeah. live. <laughs> it's, a, it's a song about the Passover, and it's it's a great song. And I know that a lot of folks who 
are Christians or Jewish or like, we can, we can play the song for our family. Just for you. So, yeah. it's, a, it's a great song. And, really uh, yeah, it's, it's always a great one that's live. Always great. Um, yeah, I think when they, yeah, they played it when I saw them too, like back in 91. So they, they've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> so yeah, this is, this is, uh, so with the 40th, it was my second and third time seeing Taka and it's your first, Jesse. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So we have the next song, which is the second from the set from their second album, Ride the Lightning, Trapped Under Ice. Okay. So that was on my wish list. When I tell you, when I heard the first chords on that, I lost my voice. Yeah, she lost her voice. She's like, damn it. She, you, she, she, you, you, yeah, lost. Your voice was gone. She's like, I they're said, playing trapped under I like you could not hear it. Trapped under ice. And I scream in the lyric. I, oh, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. Trapped. The, the last time they played that, I think, was the Orion Festival 2012 when they did uh, Ride the Lightning um, back to front. I think that was the last time they did Trapped Under Ice. So the fact that they pulled that out <laughs> like nine years later. <laughs> yeah, that was an emotional one. That was just that one. I remember just being with you like that, like you were you had me by you took my arm and you was like we were doing it like swaying away, swaying around to it because it was just like trapped under ice. Like, yeah, trapped under ice. I can't believe that. They said, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're, they're doing what? I was like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I just, I, I lost my voice by the third song. That's just, yeah. that's too much. That's too much. So I just, that was on my wish list. I got it. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I was not, because I think that's the, that's the other one too. When we were in the car. I was like, well, Trapped Under Ice, I want to hear, but it's like a 20% chance they'll play it. I, I just, they're not going to play it. That was one of the songs. I was like, they're not going to play it. I want to hear it. They're not going to play it. And they did. And they so I was did. wrong about everything. I was wrong <laughs> about everything. Oh, man. I did not know. So, well, uh, Sanitarium. So they played two uh, from Master Puppets. <laughs> Sanitarium, which is always great to hear live. It's kind of a semi-standard. Uh, Trapped Under Ice is definitely not a standard. <laughs> the right. sanitarium gets played way more than Trapped Under Ice. It's it's great. It's a great song. Yeah, I really um, enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it flowed nicely after hearing yeah. Ice. Yeah. <laughs> and then let me tell... So, Orion, which is the other song, Master Puppet. When I heard the, because I think Rob played the bass for, I was just like, wait, that sounds like they're getting ready to play Orion. So it's like, and I was like, whoa, whoa. And then Lars like, I was like, they're going to play Orion. Oh my God, they're going to play Orion. They're going to play Orion. Ah, right. I know. I love that they played that. Oh, they played Orion. Oh, wow. So that made me so happy. And it's just, that's just, a very emotional, a very emotional song for a lot of people, of course, because of Cliff Burton. And so let's stop here to talk about, you know, the, just the graphics 
correlating with each album. So they, they had the, because Metallica has had many mm-hmm. yeah. different logos, different, different styles. So like with each album, they would have the style of the Metallica logo and, um, and just to show different uh, clips of the band or different graphics. It was, it was amazing. Just the graphics. I mean, we were sitting kind of in nosebleed, but uh, we could see like the in the round graphics, and we could not see when they showed the documentaries. Couldn't really. Yeah, see under- yeah, we couldn't see underneath that. But- I-, I saw a little bit of it, and uh, um, where we sat uh, on the second night could definitely see them, but where we were sitting on the first night, we couldn't. Yeah, um, so. Yeah, Orion always, always sounds great. Always sounds great. And um, I love one of my favorite uh, times they did Orion was Blue the Never. And I just, this, I don't know, this was up there. This was up there. The 40th, the, the 40th anniversary shows. I mean, I think um, the sound was a little weird for the first night and definitely got better the second night. But I think it's like, for me, it's like the St. Anger thing. Oh, the snare, whatever. Like, I don't care. It's just what is the feeling that it gives you when you're listening to it? Right. And what, what are you taking away from it lyrically or spiritually, however you participate in listening to, to that music? But yeah, um, definitely from where we were sitting, um, James's vocals got buried. <laughs> some of the time but yeah it was it was excellent it was just a oh when yeah rob's like i was like they're playing orion they're playing orion and then lars starts in the drums and i ooh, yeah and i yeah. love that full versions of songs and yeah that, oh my goodness so okay the next song shut straw yeah wait a minute and- yep <laughs> So that's another song that was on my list. Like, they're not yes, going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it. And so people are like, oh, they should do Eye of the Beholder. I don't think they'll do that. Lars hates that one. Uh, he's been open about that. <laughs> so they might, you know, they might do it. You know, they weren't going to do Fixer. So they might do Eye of the Beholder. Who knows? But Short of Straw was a very nice surprise. And so again, when they did those chords, they're like, dur, dur, dur. I was like, wait, wait. Right. Dur, dur, dur. And it's that thing if you're like really into the band or hardcore or whatever, like when they do the, or if you've seen them live or at the few times they've done Shorter Straw, another one they kind of pulled out, like, oh my goodness. You can hear, you can hear the opening notes <clears throat> and you're like, wait a minute. They're not doing that. They're not doing that song. Wait a minute. Ah! And like another one, it's another one. Wait a minute! <laughs> wow, I I couldn't believe I couldn't believe they pulled out shorter straw. So this, I really feel like night one. Yeah, they had standards into it. I, this. The 40th anniversary is really is like we're gonna pull these songs out because we love y'all. <laughs> It's not stuff right. that we do, but they did Trapped Under Ice and Short of Straw. Seriously. So I just, wow. I, yeah. Uh, 
Wow. <laughs> they they could have did you know, a Blackened, which, you know, if you've heard, it's my favorite Metallica song. And I wanted them to do it, the full version, but they didn't do it. So, you know, they, they have done it on the more recent runs of shows, but they did not do it for the 40th. It's okay. They did Shortest Straw. <laughs> but I can't believe they did Shortest Straw. I, I, uh, wow. And then, of course, they did one because I, I feel like, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like one and Master of Puppets are the quintessential Metallica songs. I think Absolutely. they have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have everything that really defines uh, the qualities of Metallica songs. So it has the, the melodic parts and then it has the harder parts. Uh, they tell a particular story a particular narrative and you know one talking about you know it's a, inspired by Johnny got his gun but and master of puppets you know uh, discussing addiction just closing your eyes and listening to it and feeling the experience of the characters I think those are extremely well-written songs and it's usually when people uh, have somebody listen to a Metallica song uh, Master of Puppets or one or probably even Enter Sandman are those three songs that people are like, here, here, listen to Metallica. <laughs> they're like, oh, okay, I, I get it. I get it now. I get right. it now. But one, for me, of course, being an amputee, um, it meant a lot for, for me to experience that during the 40th. Um, and I was just, oh my goodness. I mean, that song is great anyway, but of course with yeah, as we mentioned in the last episode, just me listening to it over and over and over on repeat. Song goes over, and then I play it again. So just just hearing it, just right. oh my goodness, it just takes me to a particular emotional space, and uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just really appreciative. And my goodness, and just the clips they show. Um, uh, you know, we we are at war out here. I know it's talking about you know the, the whole uh, military thing, but that's you know, we're at war, and especially folks who are disabled um, in a world which is very ableist. I think that you know, uh, and also you know, coming back to quote reality after the 40th, like okay, I have to come back to reality and uh, an extremely ableist world, and you know, how do I navigate? And so it's. Um, I was very sad, you know, uh, yeah, as you know, just a after this whole thing, and uh, I think one really does encapsulate, um, in part, uh, my feelings around being an amputee, and, you know, when I was in the hospital, just the immense pain I was feeling, just wanting, just feeling so much pain, not wanting to be here is, that's, that's a thing, that is a thing, and I definitely feel that. And so to capture that um, in a song, I know, you know, uh, before before they were aware of Johnny got his gun, they had some lyrics floating around to a similar thing. But just to to, to capture the experience of someone, I think again, I think that a great songwriter, and he's one of the best. <laughs> Absolutely. Just like to, to feel that and experience that and have thousands upon thousands of other people experience that with you is is a huge deal <laughs> so my goodness <laughs> oh 
Oh, wow. So then we get to the infamous Black Album, or Metallica. And uh, this is a massive, massive standard, sad but, sad but true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nothing else matters. So what are your feelings about that? Is there those songs that you wanted to hear? Or is it just like, okay. I enjoy it. I mean, no, yeah, I, I went, along, went along with it. I mean, <clears throat> I figured it was a standard because, yeah, everyone seemed to be really in unison with this one. So, like, yeah, it was just, but it, it was really nice. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sad but true. I don't think they've played that slow since the load era. I feel like, uh, yeah, because they usually play a little faster, but in the load era, they, they slow it down. It makes it much harder. And it's like, oh, you want heaven? Metallica gives you heaven. He didn't say that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but they just went into the song. And yeah, they played it a lot, a lot slower. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that because the original version, if you listen to the the demo versions or the the working versions, it's actually faster, much faster than the album. And Bob Rock was like, "Slow that down, slow that down, baby, slow it down." <laughs> so yeah, and uh, nothing else matters, which yeah, it's very interesting. So people knew uh that that were up close and on the rails so they saw you know the acoustic setup they were like they're playing nothing else matters <laughs> so people kind of figured uh, again people who have seen them 50 billion lemon times already know if they see a particular setup that's a song they're most likely going to play i did not see the setup before we got in so but um i like the song i think it's you know it's it's a song that I know Elton John said it's one of the, the greatest written songs ever, but I think for I think this this really did show that they could be a band that um, could convey various emotions. So normally, yes. you know, you'd see yeah, you know, kill them all. It's like we're just thrashing or whatever, and then you saw throughout sort of anger and resentment and all of this, and then nothing else matters is like a love song and it's a person who has been so close for so long and is able to write a song so I never open myself this way so I think yeah to be able to convey a varying range of emotions um that is not uh usual for a metal band so it's another thing I'm definitely uh, appreciative of that you could display a wide range of emotions and still um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, show vulnerability and um still be powerful. That's a that's a rare thing to experience for a metal band. So I appreciate it. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. That is the song in which yeah, you got a lot of vulnerability coming through because it's it just has yeah, all of those the just the first few chords, the moment it starts, you know, it has all of what you would expect to take you in those places. Um, I think that, you know, if you look at the video, it's them being on the road. And so it could also be a love song to the community, the family, you know, it's a, you know, you could, you could interpret it that way. 
So I think you know, the, that being a standard, we love you. <laughs> so next is your song. So we're in the load era. Your song. So what do you want to say about it? Oh <laughs> uh, well, like you, I mean, as I said, when it first, when I first heard those chords, I'm like, yo. I mean, yeah, it's just it's such a great song. I love the lyrics. I love just the whole are that you know you go out with just a name and then that guitar screaming and it's just like <laughs> Where's your girl's game? yeah it was it was just really nice to it, it felt fresh it felt really good i could tell there were a lot of people who appreciated it too alongside with me so i was looking around and it's like yeah you know people you saw people just kind of like grooving into it um and James was doing the little rocking of his shoulders too, so you he was feeling it too. Uh, that shoulder rock, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he does that shoulder shake, like his own. I'm in it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, getting nothing. So okay, now we have the world premiere. Yes. What was your experience around that? Well, my experience was your experience in the sense that I was like extended through your like when that song came on, you lost it in a way that was so could not believe it. I mean, again, as I said, it's been mentioned, you didn't believe they would perform it. So the fact that they did it was almost unbelievable. It was like the what you would you you would not expect it. And it happened. And it was something that even, you know, you went alongside and went to somebody else like, yo, they're playing it. And, you know, everybody <laughs> could not get it. You even told me you told somebody in the bathroom, hey, you know, they play Fixer. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah. Because um, it's not one of those songs. No one even generally knew, it seems so. But the fact that they did it and I read the lyrics again. You know, this is a very personal song in which he's talking about, you know, sticking on the pen in me, a lot of e- like emotional, just very powerful lyrics. And so I can see why it connected to so many people. And it's, I'm just glad that they did it because they knew that that's 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 something that they, you know, people have been wanting to hear that song. So the fact that they went through with it. It's just really nice because I think for so many people it was exactly what they needed to to kind of listen to or to to, to experience. I mean, if you're talking about a wild card to throw, they threw it because it's still eating up the the thing. I mean, everyone's still talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely a wild card. I just, so I, Ooh, nobody was. There were some people that were riding for it because, like Fixer, they're, and they were gonna always say play Fixer, whether or not they play it. That's another story. But people are always yeah. gonna be riding for it, and I think everybody is is riding for them to play it. But it's sort of like they're not going to, so I'm not gonna push it. And I was one of those people, as you saw. I said in the forums, like, yeah, people said they're gonna explode, but they're not gonna do it. Um, the funny thing is, I have this sitting here with me, the 30th anniversary booklet, and James Hetfield says, <laughs> I'm going to quote this, this is 
Piles of fun songs played loose and hard. So this was for 30th anniversary. I must say, Just a Bullet Away is a new fave of mine. Outlaw Torn. <laughs> you know how I feel about that song. That song is that joint. Yes. <laughs> Outlaw Torn, Bleeding Me, and The Mighty Carpe Diem. Those songs are great fun to play and move me. I'm so fixed on them that I forget to look in the crowd. It's the shoulder shake, eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe also that I'm afraid no one is into them as me. Yeah, I. That's 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 a, a headful thing. Cause he says, but not the case at the Fillmore. Plenty of love for them. Carpe Diem hasn't been played at all, and I wonder why not. So he has a tattoo of lyrics of Carpe Diem Baby, actually. It's one of his favorites. Uh, Carpe Diem hasn't been played at all, and I wonder why not. Even more now. It's a solid song. The only one missing from that pairing is Fixer. Now, maybe at the 40th anniversary party. So he says, well, maybe at the 40th anniversary party. So there you have it. So James Hetfield in the 30th anniversary booklet possibly predicts that Fixer would be played at the 40th. But over time, people would say, Fixer, Fixer. And James Hetfield, it's like, Fixer's not getting played. So it's kind of interesting. Did they look back on this? Or should I... <laughs> Did Lars or somebody look back at this and go, James, you said Fixer might be played at the 40th. We're going to do it. Huh? 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 So I don't know if it was because of this or because of whatever else, or it's just like, well, the fans want it. I don't know how they created the set list, but the fact is that Fixer got played at the 40th. So yes. 10 years ago, James Hetfield put out the possibility that Fixer would be played at the 40th. So thank you, Mr. James Allen Hetfield, for putting out that possibility, which shows that Fixer is a song he appreciates and likes. Like these are these, this paragraph here are songs that he likes. And just the, the <laughs> well, I don't know if people appreciate people definitely appreciate these songs. That's why they're like, can you play it? So I think that just from seeing him over the years make comments, like self-deprecating comments about particular songs or his voice, I don't like I understand. I I am similar, where it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't like the sound of my own voice. Yes, I talk way more than I would like to, but there's a lot of things I have to say, and I don't particularly like the sound of my voice. But I, I mean, I don't know if that's the same way with James Hetfield. I know that he, you know they were uh, actively looking for another singer for a while, and then he's like, well, I'm just going to do it. And I think again, as we said, he is one of the greatest rock metal vocalists of all time. So I yes. I don't think he has anything to worry about. <laughs> but um, the fixer, I know it was the, the vocals were rough, but the thing is, I appreciate that. That the song just is so vulnerable. If the the way he sang it were to be perfected, quote unquote, it I don't think it would carry the strength of and the vulnerability of that song i think the fact that he was struggling with it i think made that moment even greater i'm just i, I could be the only person who feels this way but i don't know if he will ever listen to this podcast or whatever but I, if he does it that's fine 
but I'm just putting it out there. I feel like that just, that really carried over into the strength of the moment. The fact that it was the first time the song was ever played live. They have grooved on the song, uh, <laughs> but they never played the song in full. So just that moment of the vocals being a bit rough and I, I, I heavily appreciated it and it moved me so much. I mean, that song is already just from my experiences of having childhood trauma, uh, my experiences of dealing, you know, with the trauma of my mother and just, and my stepfather who's no longer alive just all of that and carrying that over and identifying with those lyrics and having that be rough for James Hetfield to say, I, I just feel like that translated over into everything. It just meant so much to me to hear that live. And yeah, I don't think like even uh, when he did Unforgiven 3 at S&M, it's just, it's, I, I don't know. There's something about like I don't think your vocals have to be perfect, particularly in a song which is about vulnerability, is about trauma, is about coming to heal from that trauma. And I think that it's interesting. I feel like Fixer and No Leaf Clover are kind of companion pieces. So it's just like the soothing light at the end of the tunnel. There's a freight train coming your way, and then it says, you know. And I'm pain-free, jab another pin in me. Uh, so I feel like there's there, there similar themes in a lot of those songs where I'm coming to a space of healing and then this other thing hits me and I have to start the cycle all over again. So I just, these songs mean a lot to me as a person who has experienced trauma of various sorts. So I, I think, you know, people are like, oh, the vocals were rough and oh, I don't know, he needs to like, you needed to drop tune it or it just, I don't know. I feel like, again, this could just be me, but I feel like that would have taken away a lot from the pain and the vulnerability of the song. I appreciate the vocals being rough. I do. And then he says, well, yeah, we've never done this song before. And now you know why. It's just like, no, don't be so different. Don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, I just, I, I understand he's a perfectionist which is the total opposite of Lars. It's just like, we need to be in the moment in order to be, you know, like I, I mean, I sort of, I understand both points, but I think uh, particularly in this moment, I think the fact that his vocals were not perfect led to the amazingness of that performance. Absolutely. Yeah. It made yeah. it, I made it, that, that's what made it work to me. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, in terms of the the pins, like I I feel like to the voodoo references, yeah, I feel like people are not aware of African spirituality, so it gets negative connotations consistently. I worked at Voodoo Donuts for two and a half years when it was just a small hole in the wall shop before they got huge, and I I feel like oh, it's, I I just feel like people treat voodoo as a cavalier thing where it has a lot to do with you know, connecting with ancestors and prayer. And so I, I think people just ultimately do not understand African spirituality. So it's like, but that's a whole other subject. But I think uh, the song itself, I just, the song is incredibly moving. 
the song. I love that song. Absolutely. And when the the opening tape came on, I remember, I don't remember a lot because I was just in it, but I do remember looking at you and going, are they playing what I think they're playing? And is this the tape? And I thought they were going to play the opening tape and maybe go into, I mean, not Outlaw Torn, because that's not reload, like Outlaw Torn is load, but I thought maybe they would do another load song or something or play, you know, the intro, the fixer, and then go into something else again. Like, psych, we're going to get, I thought that was going to happen, but then when they started playing the, I was like, whoa. And then he starts singing. And I was like, wait, they're really doing fixer. They're they're actually doing fixer. So I I... I just, I could, I was in shock, absolute shock. And yet I did roll over to the dude in the other section and like, they're doing <laughs> And he looked at me like, well, okay. Like, we're in the middle of the song. Do you not hear the song? They're doing Fixer. And, and, and then, yeah, after the show, I'm just rolling around yelling at everybody. They're doing Fixer. And people looked at me like I had two heads. So I don't know. <laughs> I, and I, apparently that's uh, what happened to other folks who were really in the fixer, where they, they had people in the section next to them. They're like, fixer, people are like, okay, okay. <laughs> but fixer has a, a, a solid community of supporters, uh, including myself. And that song means so much to so many of us. And for him, to you know, again struggle with the vocals for them to do this song to make the decision because they all decide like I mean Lars is the person that's like set list but they all make decision like hey you know this is a song that's right for us to do but the fact that they were like okay we're gonna do this set I don't know that just oh that was the single best moment of the, like both shows were excellent. But that was the single best moment of the whole 40th because of the significance of that song, because of the fact that it has never been played. If you look at the website, so of course, people are celebrating this. And people are like, no, this should stay this way for a long time. <laughs> but they have on the website, so they have each song and they do a count of how many times it's been played. So it's like, oh, this song's been played 19, 19 times, and here's the place it's been played. So Fixer, of course, it says one. And then it says Chase Center, no, December 17th. <laughs> exactly. So people are like, ah! So just the significance of the whole thing. It was such a special moment for people to collectively share. And it's a moment I think that people will never forget. And so, of course, people are watching it on the live stream and they're going, wait, wait, wait. Same thing. Everyone collectively was like, wait, at the same time. Like, are they really playing this song? <laughs> so it, it was just absolutely uh, just people's heads did explode. It's like scanners. People's heads really did explode. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, I was, I was in shock. Like, I just, I will not, oh, that's such a, such an amazing moment to happen, to be there 
at the world premiere of Fixer. And just to share that with so many people is, is a big thing. And so thank you for putting that out there, James Hetfield. I know that, you know, y'all were like, it's not going to be played, but it was played and it was well played, (laughs) very well played because nobody knew. (laughs) Nobody knew that was coming. So that was excellent surprise. And you're trapped in right, just, just amazing surprises that just popped out. But Fixer was the moment that no one expected. And uh, that is a moment that can't be relived. <laughs> it's like the world premiere of this song that people for over 20 years have wanted. And uh, we all got to share that moment. And um, just again, from the content of the song, it just, it means a lot to a lot of people because there's just, uh, sadly, a lot of childhood trauma that exists. I could talk forever about Fixer, <laughs> but oh my goodness, wow. So we have a Bread Fan, and I, you're, you're probably not familiar with Bread Fan, right? That's my guess. I don't know, are you? Yeah, I, I, I not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay you're, you're still you're still i know yeah. i'm still i'm still getting it <laughs> you're still getting it but bread fan is the song by budgie and so people consider budgie to sort of be uh proto thrash i guess but uh budgie was definitely a major uh inspiration slash influence to bands like metallica so they've done several budgie songs it is a song that they've done in the earlier years and they especially used to do it uh during the uh, black album touring cycle and uh and and also the justice touring cycle and so when papa head says he started with i have something to say so a lot of people including myself thought they were going to go into last caress which is a misfit song and it's not one of my favorite songs either by the Misfits or that Metallica covers, I have to say. I know it is a crowd favorite, it is not. But I'm not that big into, like, I'm just trying to be shocking and, yeah. Not, mm-hmm. But the Misfits, like, I've been in punk bands that covered the Misfits. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't, I, I actually like the Misfits. But that that song, I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't like songs with that subject matter. So I'm just, it's, yeah, it's not my thing. So I'm glad they didn't do it. You know, I'm not going to walk out I'm like but I mean I'm like oh no no <laughs> but I'm glad they didn't do it in terms of the misfits I wish they did green hell like the last time I think they did green hell was in 2008 so uh I originally uh knew um garage days so garage days revisited so that's where uh last caress and green hell first came on and then they, uh, it was out of print, of course, and then they put it on Garage 8. And so they put all their, like, from uh, Garage Days, and then they did the eight, the eighty early 80s stuff to, like, 85, and then they did Motorhead, Motorhead uh, set. So uh, so they did uh, Last Caress and Green Hell. And I don't know why they don't do Green Hell, because I love that song. But yeah, 2008, I think, was the last time they did it. Uh, it wow. Funny, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I was like, and then even when they had the montage, 
uh, James Hetfield mentions Green Hell. So I'm like, they're going to do Green Hell. They're going to do Green Hell. They're going to do Green Hell. Yes, they're going to do Green Hell. Please, please do Green Hell. So the two uh, sisters with the covers section, I thought, you know, okay, Green Hell, because they mention it. And uh, I wanted either that or Sabracadabra, because that is one of my favorite covers that they do. So it's like uh, Sabracadabra slash National Acrobat. So I'm like, please do Sabracadabra. Please do Sabracadabra. Uh, please, please, please do that. Or Green Hell. So those are the things that I wanted. And then in terms of Misfit songs, like I would love to hear them do Bullet or All Hell Breaks Loose. But they continually have done Last Caress. That is a staple for them in terms of covers. And I'm like, can we do other Misfit songs too? Ah. <laughs> but yeah. They ended up doing, as you said, Brick Fan. So one of the things that they've done, they would do, and we'll get to this a little later, but they would have an announcement or whatever, and then they come out and they're like, Brick Fan. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, oh yeah, so Brick Fan is great. And when they did, I was like, yeah, Brick Fan. So yeah, that that was great to hear. <laughs> it's, it's been a while since I've heard that, but uh, yeah. So Brett fan, I was like, yeah. So that was also a good, good classic one. They haven't really done in a while, but they used to do it all the time. And then they go into S and M. Just like, okay, this is interesting because it's not like it's part of their album cycle. But we figured, okay, doing chronologically, they're just gonna do all the ones that are not live or, mm-hmm. or you know, but they didn't know over. Like, so they started with the tape with the orchestra that was like, nice. Yeah, that was great. So, I don't know, what were you, were you enjoying that one? I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was, a, I, oh my goodness. And then, going to St. Anger. So, we are St. Anger Defenders. Yes, we are. St. Anger all day. <laughs> and night. And afternoon. <laughs> In the afternoon. <laughs> say Anger. Oh, my goodness. So they did your song, Frantic. Yes. And so it's funny because Lars messes up on the drums. I thought, again, they were going to do something where they switched it up. And then like, whatever. And then it was like, oh, Lars just messed up. And then he just, and then James was like, oh, oh, you know, y'all not saying, uh, hey, loud enough or whatever. So they started over it, and then they did frantic. I was like, okay, that was cool. <laughs> frantic, tick, 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 tick. Um, so yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And so he actually uh, said said uh, pointed to someone. Uh, I think I saw that person actually. So they uh, had to say English shirt, and he's like, yeah, I think you're the only person with the say English shirt. <laughs> yeah, he did say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, uh, like there were people with St. Anger patches, but like I saw some St. Anger love in there. But he was like, I think you're the only person with St. Anger shirt. <laughs> They're so deprecating towards that album. It is a great album. And then y'all always joking, he's like, yeah, it's the album that y'all love. You know? <laughs> like, St. Anger is great. And I like, I, I mean, it's, it is kind of self-deprecating, but, you know, they make they make fun of it, and it's cool. But, yeah, I wish they would give it more love. Uh, <laughs> but then, um, 
but then Day That Never Comes. And so that's another song that is very emotional for me, but it gave it another level because during the song, they had a montage of people around the world. And it just showed like the impact that they do have globally. And I thought, I don't know, it just gave it this element that was really special because it, it sort of counteracts the theme of the song. But at the same time, they have said the theme of the song is about forgiveness, which is interesting given the subject matter of the song and the lyrical content. <laughs> but yeah, I just love how like, okay, we're going to show we're celebrating our 40 years. Like here's places we've been and you're showing appreciation for all the people who show us love. I, th- I thought that was really heartwarming. Yeah, absolutely. And so then we have the final album. Yes, going chronologically, spit out the bone. So one of the cues that you know what song they're going to play is when they show the montage. So I saw the montage of the flags and then, you know, they're playing, but I was like, they're playing spit out the bone. Because usually, yeah, like a lot of times when they would do that song, they would show the flag as the drums are going. I was like, they're going to spit out the bone. So I was really happy because that was on my wish list. <laughs> Like, all right, yes, yes. And so they end with that and no encore. So people were like, encore. It's like, yes, uh, Kirk and Rob got to do the wedding band. They're not doing encore. Right. <laughs> and plus it was 11 o'clock, probably curfew and everything. I don't know. But they did a solid two hours and yeah, it was good. It was, it was good. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Excellent first night. And so now we're going to go to the second night where a fire alarm comes on before the band comes on. And here's the funny thing. So you were saying to me, there's a fire alarm. What's, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm like, there's, there, it's, it's a thing that they've done before. Like, <laughs> so I'm thinking that it's possibly planned because, you know, they've pulled stunts like that before cutting stunts and uh i was like nah because because they would have announcements like for instance they would do bread fan or other songs like metallica's not able to appear tonight please you know like we're canceling the show it's like nah. so i figured maybe that's what's going on the other reason why i'm just like i don't think it's that big of a deal is because none of the staff were moving so and then there was somebody behind us that was like Nah, it's a false alarm. So it's like, I'm not going any, like, but people, rightly so, people were really scared. And it's like, no, it's saying it's a fire alarm. Like, we, oh, we have to leave. So a bunch of people did get up and then it, the fire alarm stopped. And my other thing too, because there would be a lot of those alarms in the hospital. And I was in the hospital, it would be a ton of those like false alarms. And it's like, okay, we have a fire alarm, da, 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 like nobody in the elevators, that kind of stuff. So I've got pretty used to it at this point. And also um, doing the fire drills, I, I've sort of got a good reading of when stuff's actually happening. And I could tell when the staff wasn't moving at all. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I could tell that it's like, we're okay. Because usually when there is an actual fire, they would automatically be like, okay, everybody needs to go. But it was still interesting that 
yeah, the perfect timing of that, that it was right before the start of the show. So people, again, who have followed the band over the years, have seen them live, are like, nah, this is all part of the set. But everyone else is like, oh, wait for that. Right, and yeah. people up front at the rail are like, we're not going anywhere. Like, I want to see a fire. <laughs> right. and, then, and people, people even in addition thought, the fire alarm, and they were going to start with fight fire with fire. So that is how much people follow this band or like, nah, they're going to, they're going to do something. <laughs> that would have been perfect if they switched the set to fight fire with fire, even though that wouldn't have been in the chronological order that they ended up doing the set at. So they started off with hardwired. So then you knew that it was going to be from the last album to the first. Uh, we don't know like what songs are coming out. Uh, some people did speculate. I was in the bathroom and this woman was like, I saw the set list. Do you want to see it? And so I'm just like, la, 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 I, I mean, I enjoyed it just as much. I was not sitting next to you, which kind of sucked, but I was right on top. And I was like, um, I saw, I was uh, at the, um, like, up the stairs above you. And um, I really got a, uh, I was sitting next to a guy who was with his son, and it was nice to see him really bond with his son, because I'm sure it was his first time at that show. And I really enjoyed the way it started. Like it just like as soon as it like they they went straight into it. And Hardwired is actually one of my favorite albums. And so and I love the song. So I I thought that was just the perfect start because it's just all of you know it's heavy is in it and it, and it starts immediately pretty much. Um, it gives you that you know, self destruct. <laughs> so really enjoyed it. Yay. <laughs> So uh, another surprise they pulled out of the deck of cards, end of the line. End of the line, that's right. End of the line? That was another one I wasn't expecting. It was another one. Yeah, it was another one I would have loved to hear, but it's just like they're not going to play it. So that was on my list of they're not playing it. So I'm not even considering it. And they did it. I can't believe it. So that's another one I screamed for. I just, I can't, I can't believe this. So they're coming out with the gems. They are like, we're not, we didn't come to play. We did not come to play with y'all. We're gonna, we're gonna just talk through our music. <laughs> so end of the line was definitely a favorite of of hardcore folks. And yeah, again when they're like, dun, 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 like whoa, 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 <laughs> so. Yeah, that was definitely a nice surprise. Definitely a nice surprise. And then the ne- the next surprise, I like, what are y'all doing right now? Dirty then they window. gave you dirty windows. That's I saw you. Yeah, you yeah, you, you freaked that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dirty windows? Are you kidding? Whoa! When I I was like, wait, whoa, whoa. Same thing. I was like, they are not playing what I think they're playing. Uh, excuse me. I was like, okay, okay. I lost it. I was like, are you kidding me? 
are you kidding me? And so there were folks next to me that were like, okay. And the the dude next to me, he ended up giving me the the bracelet that they had in the seats. <laughs> he was just like, you're having a good time. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And I asked him, I was like, so what, what songs do you want to hear? He's like, all of them. <laughs> right. But yeah, Dirty Window. I was like, that's, that's the trapped under ice that is end of the line that's the trapped under ice of the second night <laughs> and the shortest straw <laughs> it's like, yeah dang y'all y'all was pulling out these gems for the hardcore folks <laughs> so yeah the first the first half of night two was definitely for hardcore folks and then the uh the second half was more standards but it was like they were some good standards I know people are like, oh man, but no, nah, they were all good. But dirty window, I couldn't. But yeah, I disappeared. So they did talk about you know being like doing stuff for soundtracks, and then Papa Head he talked about do the never and how he enjoyed that, and he and I was like, thank you because I ride hard for that movie. I was just like, am I the only one who rides hard for it? And it's become one of my favorite movies. So I love I love that movie so much. I appreciate the surreal subplot of the movie. I like that it wasn't just a concert film. I appreciate that uh, spoilers that it was uh, a film that honored Cliff Burton. I just appreciate all of that. And then you know they did take some stuff from Cunning Stunts, and you know they did all of that. But I love that movie so much and it's the one movie that got me to love film again and i don't really see people talking about it so when i saw james headfield to show an appreciation for it because i know man it's a self-deprecating thing and and there was some disappointment that it didn't do that well but the fact that he's just like yeah i really appreciate it through the never and i enjoyed the plot i was just like thanks thank you I was just really happy that he said that because I just felt alone. I really didn't feel alone in my love for Through the Never. I'm just being honest. <laughs> so I I love that movie so much that I just, I'm so, I'm happy they did it. I'm just, I, I love that they just go left field with that kind of stuff. It, it, I love and appreciate that movie. Again, if anybody's listening, I love it. I'm just let y'all know. But they did I disappear, which was for Mission Impossible two, three, four, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know Mission Impossible movie, but it was for one of the Mission Impossible movies. It's a great song. It's 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 like it's definitely one of those like toe tapping, like sing along kind of uh mm-hmm. and it's it's it stops short of being anthemic because I'm not too big of a fan of like really big anthemic songs. Like we will rock you is like probably I'm like okay I appreciate it. but there's other ones I'm like Ee! but uh but yeah it stops short of that but and then the chorus is it's just there's just some, there's some good songwriters in that band that's awesome absolutely <laughs> that's great but James Hetfield is an amazing songwriter um you burn me when I'm gone you teach me while I'm here just as soon as I belong it's time I disappear it's just like ooh oh oh I mean, it's it's great. I don't know. I 
I don't know. Um, were you familiar with that song? I was not familiar. That was like, yeah, definitely oh. one of my first times hearing it. But what are your thoughts? I enjoyed it. I, it was definitely like, um, it was, everyone was just saying it. It seemed like I was like, that was definitely one of those songs where I was like, oh, okay. Like, I, I, I want to listen to the studio version. I enjoyed the live version, though, very much. Um, from what I remember, I didn't, you know, I, it flowed into right after uh, the dirty window. It was like it, you know, you, it was, yeah, so, I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. But even, you know, the songs, you're like, I don't know, but you're capturing that experience and people around you, like, yeah. <laughs> what I remember is, like, they were out. It wasn't there, like, um, it was, like, in a Grand Canyon or desert or, um, like, there was oh, tips. Yeah, so <laughs> they, uh, so the video, that's, you caught that. That's interesting. So um, you were paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> you, you. You pay attention to stuff. That's good. Uh, so they had different elements in the video. So they took from various movies. So I think the James Hetfield part was from the movie Bullet, Steve McQueen. And then uh, Kirk's part, I think, was Rear Window, where the plane is falling. I think that's Rear Window. And then I'm forgetting Jason's part in the movie. Was that The Matrix? I can't, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm a hor- horrible person for not knowing. And then uh, Lars, see, I can't remember what Lars and Jason's movies were. I feel like one of them was Matrix. One was actually Mission Impossible. And then at the end of the video, it was like Tom Cruise on the top of a mountain or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a great song. It's, it's, it's a great song. That's definitely a toe tap and sing along. Cut short of anthemic, which I'm really happy about. Yeah. <laughs> Chorus is great. It's some good songwriting. Some good songwriting. It just shows you like, I mean, they can write varying styles of music. So you have a song like Master Puppets, you have a song like Battery, you have a song like Dyer's Eve, you have a song like One, you have a song like Unforgiven. It's just very, it's just strange. And um, I love this band. (laughs) So then uh, the cover section, so instead of the S&M, they did I Disappear like soundtracks and then they go back to the covers so and they talk about different covers or whatever i think they still talk about covers uh one of the nicest talking about covers and then uh yeah, yeah i wanted like, this is yeah whenever, whenever okay them. yeah so i i wanted to hear again saber cadaver or green hell because james like green hell and i was like green hell and yeah, am I evil again? I'm like, it's a standard. I'm like, you know, I mean, eh, I I want to hear other covers. <laughs> However, I was actually happy. I I enjoyed this one so much. They did the full version of Am I Evil, which they haven't done in years. So they usually stop. They do it. They stop short. And then there was a. The, what LA they did LA in what 92 and so they all switched instruments so James was on drums Lars was vocals <laughs> Kirk was on bass and Jason guitar and so I figured okay they're gonna switch instruments again I don't know but they didn't and they ended up doing the full version I was like oh okay 
so they do it. Oh, they they going out like that. Okay, okay. So yeah, I was I was happy with that. And like you know, I'm like, am I evil? Okay, you know. Uh, but they did the full version, so I was, that was cool. That was cool, and that was another surprise. They pulled another one out of the deck of cards, the full version of Am I Evil? Yeah. <laughs> like Diamond Head, the Diamond Head classic. So yeah, that was that was a nice surprise. I was like, all right, it, it made me like I enjoyed it thoroughly, I must say. And then um, after that, he's like, "Are you ready?" And everyone's like, "Yeah!" And he's like talking to Lars, "Are you ready?" And everyone's like, "Yeah!" And he's like, my memory's not so good. So you knew. It's like everyone joined in with that chorus, with, with that uh, chorus, because it's just like, ooh, it's just it's so good. Sing along one, yeah. That's, a, that's another standard, but it's always, it's so good. It's just, it's another one you can't get away from. And it's just like, just the, and I think that that's one of those songs that sort of uh, amps up the band because like, oh, the audience is into it and just gives the band a lot of energy. Just everyone's just singing together and yeah. But that's your song too, right? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love it, it's, it's really good. I love that. It's such a good chorus. And the, yeah, I love it. And then of course you're so you get two in a row, man. I know. And it's, it's, give me a few. Give me five. Give me <laughs> And then with the fire coming out, I really appreciated the uh, the hyro. What do you call it? The um, hyrotechnics. Oh, py- pyro. Pyrotech. Pyro. That was just yeah. That 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 was a rush. That was that was a rush. I mean, I love that that fuel. <clears throat> it was nice. Like, yeah. And that's a, ooh, yeah. But fuel is usually the one where they start like, let me tell you something. Give me fuel, give me fire. So it's just, it's, it's like, they didn't do it. They just went into it. Like, hey, all right, that's, that's how y'all doing it today. Ah, y'all let the music it. speak. Let them, you, like you said, the music was speaking for itself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so then, so of course, because we're going in descending order. Uh, we have Bleeding Me, let me tell you. So this is another one that's, you know, going through stuff and just working on healing. Like, this is another one. And I had all kinds of feelings, all kinds of feelings throughout this. And I actually said a prayer several times. And I don't know where people are at spiritually or whatever people believe in, but I said, Several times throughout the song, I said, thank you, God, for Metallica being in my life. And I said that several times. And it was just something that just the universe was really speaking to me through that song. And I just I just felt something. And interestingly enough, James Hetfield talks about how that song was. He said it was therapeutic, selfishly therapeutic and I said what is going on here because that was a very therapeutic moment for me and I'm sure for many I mean I haven't talked to people in their experience about that song that night but I'm sure it was therapeutic for many but I know for me again just 
saying a prayer, just thank you, God, for Metallica being in my life. And then him saying that, that just added a whole other element to it. So I, was something happening? Was he going through something at that time where he needed that? I don't know. Now I was, hadn't had a conversation with him about it, but there are some times, like there's the performance of St. Anger uh, from 2004, June 13th in Munich, Germany. It's, to me, it's clear that he was going through something emotionally. And of course, that album, he was going through stuff. He was, was coming from rehab. And so I don't know, just that performance was very moving to me. It's one of my favorites uh, out of the Metallica collection, if you will. It's just, it, it's very moving to me. And I feel like this worked in the same way. And it just, for me, I, just everything I've gone through in my life, uh, what I've been experiencing with um, the accident, I just, I'm just very grateful to the universe, to God, that this band is in my life and part of the experience and being here with you to share that experience. It just meant a lot to me. And then there's also uh, the Outlaw Torm again in Germany. It's kind of interesting. So a lot of German stuff performances, uh, and so. Oh my goodness. Uh, and then um, there's uh, Hero of the Day with the S&M. So those three performances just, I feel like leading me um, from night two is along the lines of those. And I just, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's a lot. That was a great performance, leading me. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, Another another card out of the deck, which people weren't really expecting, wasting my hate. What, what are y'all doing? Y'all just, y'all just pulling them out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what, what were your thoughts around uh, Bleeding Me, Wasting My Hate? What, what I really love Bleeding Me. That was one of my favorites of the night, actually. So yeah. I, that, was, that was fantastic. Uh, Wasting My Hate was great, too. I had never heard that song, so it was my first time really... Well, you've heard that song? I've heard it, but I don't, I don't... I just didn't remember it, I guess. I don't... Oh. It was one of those songs where I was, like, listening to it again for the first time. Yeah, obviously, I did hear it, because I did listen to the whole catalog, but it was one of those songs that took... I guess I just... And it's from... What was it? Uh, Low, right? So, oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good day. <laughs> oh yeah, that that was definitely a nice surprise and another deep cut. Another deep cut. Yeah. People like, ah, I oh. So yeah, I I love that they're pulling out these deep cuts. I love it. So cuts, you already yeah. know, load is is fighting that's to be number one. Right. So yeah. that's it's just like, ooh, load. Are you, more load? More load? More load? More load? <laughs> And then, of course, Unforgiven. So that was another song for me. Again, childhood trauma and all of that. So mm -hmm. I, it was one of my favorite performances of that song. There's something about, I don't know, just, whew. Um, it was one of my favorite performances that they've ever done of this song. And it, uh, of course, uh, solo, Kirk Hammett. Oh, it was just, it was beautiful, that solo. Oh, man. 
Yeah, it was. Like, okay, wait for it, wait for it. And he was like, bam, oh, it was was so, my heart just, oh, melted. This whole thing. And it's just, he was so focused. It's like, yes, yes. It was, oh. So, yeah, just, uh, that was one of the songs. I was like, okay, I'm really, yeah, there's a lot to process here emotionally. And just a lot of stuff came up for me. Just again, a lot of the childhood trauma stuff, and so a lot of stuff came up, and I was tearing up. What's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I'm forgiven is great. I mean, it's one of my favorites. I like all of them. Solo was excellent. I, I thought, yeah, I knew that when that song came on, you were going to be happy because that's something you talked about earlier. Like, Unforgiven, all three versions, but at least you got to hear your solo in the way that it was played. It was great. Oh my goodness. That's- and the song that brings the whole world together, the song that brought Metallica to the stratosphere, Enter Sandman. When those chords came out, thank you, Kirk Hammett, let's say. Kirk Hammett was <laughs> the one who did that. And Lars helped arrange it. It's just like, okay, do it, do it three times. Do the three and then, you know, because at first it was like, and Lars was like, no, do it three times. So, yeah, uh, thank you, Lars, and thank you, Kirk. Yes. <laughs> so, the second, and they didn't really, again, they were just like, we're just going to let the music do the talking. They did that, and uh, you saw everyone in that place, like, Everybody stood up. It was like the anthem. Everybody was like, because I there were people in the bathroom from the first night. Oh, they didn't play Entertainment. So people were waiting for that song. People's experience of Metallica. So I understand it. It was actually, it was good. It was, yeah, it was good. Yeah, was I mean, good. I'm glad I heard it because obviously it's the song that, it that's the Metallica song that y'all heard <laughs> without even realizing it was Metallica. Um, oh, that's right. Like that's that's how you reminded. He's like, yeah, you've heard that song. And then when I heard the line, I was like, oh yeah, okay. Excellent. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, I was able to sing along with that one, of course, because that's the one I remember most. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I I'm a person who's like, yeah, I would definitely, I would love if. They would do the deeper cuts. Like, I'm one of those people, of course. And I'm like, okay, Anderson, man, you know, I get. But when I saw the whole place just stand up and you, I was like, I, I understood it. I understood it. Because mm-hmm. when I saw them on the Wherever We Met Rome tour, which is the first time I saw them, uh, and only time besides the 40th shows, that was the first song they played. Because it was very new. The album just came out. And it was like, ah, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I, I understood it at the 40th when I saw just everybody. St- it, I, I got it. I got it. And it, you know, again, I'm like, okay, okay. But I got it. I, yeah. that It was a job well done, you know. Job well done. Job well done, Metallica. <laughs> but, yeah, just to see how many times do you see everyone just get up and just like how many times do you get to see that? This is that helped me really understand the impact of Metallica. Like 
obviously there are songs that they do and have done that mean a lot more to me and have a, a lot more emotional re- relevance. But to see how happy Inner Sandman made people, I just, I got it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, this song needs to be at the 40th. Cause that is, the, yeah, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, that felt good. I, I gotta say that felt good. I agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that felt, that felt really good to see, I gotta say, for sure. So here's where we actually start to have the stand. So the last songs are where we have just straight up standards. And they are good standards, so I am not going to argue. I know, again, as I just mentioned, I'm one of those people who are like, deep cuts, deep cuts. But you cannot deny the power of these standards. And it's just like, again, it's the 40th anniversary. So it's like, yeah, we're going to give you deep cuts, but we're also going to give you our standards, our classics, and give you the reason why people appreciate what we do. And so I, again, get that. I think if it was all deep cuts i think it would i know this is people are like what do you mean but it's kind of cheap in the experience because you are leaving people out if you tell this band that's like yeah you know like we want everyone to share the experience you're gonna have to play some standards it's not like the 30th anniversary shows if you played all deep cuts i get that but you're they played so many deep cuts in the first and second night it's not like they played all standards. I'm not going to argue and be mad that they're playing like Harvester, which is, again, kind of semi-standard. So Harvester Sorrow, yeah, I wanted to hear Blacken. I wanted to hear Frazen's of Sanity. Like, I wanted to hear the deeper cuts. But Harvester Sorrow, I don't even think that's a, like, for a casual fan, I don't even think that's a thing. It's That's pretty, like, hardcore fans are into Harvester. So I wouldn't even say, like, even though it's a semi-standard, it's still something that hardcore fans like. So even with the songs they chose, the only song that's really like out of the set was Enter Sandman. I think the rest of them are like, like I think that casual fans would not necessarily be into even the standards they've done. But Harvey, yeah, it's it's another song that's just like, yeah, kind of kind of grooves and... It's good. I'm I'm happy with it. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts. Are yeah, I mean, that. like to your point, I don't know. It's not like you know the the last five songs, as you said, they're standards, and I'm not as someone who is not really you know I've heard all of their albums, of course, but it's not like I can differentiate the standard from. I mean, I know obviously it's not the newer songs, but I wouldn't make like Harvest. The I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed um. And I understand why they would do. You can't just do the deep cuts without doing the songs that most people are just used to hearing the standards because the standards can be good. I mean, and they did a great job out of all of them. It really intensified and maximized the crowd participation because obviously most people in the in there were probably wanting to hear those standards at some point anyway. So I mean, I you know I, I really enjoyed it and I thought that's it, it made sense. You know. Aesthetically. You got it. exactly crowd participation, and that's exactly if they did all deep cuts, yeah, I guarantee yeah. you, uh, you wouldn't. It would cheapen it. It would be kind of like, wait, you can't. You, so you got to give people. You got to give the people what they 
coming for. Even because that's what makes them. That's that's the. I mean, whether you like it or not, that's 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 the that's what it is. I mean, it's you can't just take that aspects away from them. So. Yeah, when if you're doing all deep cuts, like half half the place would be sitting down. Right. <laughs> and me, people like me would be like, yeah, but half the place would be. I mean, people didn't know Fixer. Right, exactly. Fixer. So do you think they're going to know all the. You think they're going to know Man Unkind? <laughs> right, they would Which just. Which is the exact- song I want to hear. Like, I want to hear Man Unkind live. I, I, but. You got to be careful how you play the songs, though, because you can't, you know. Can't just those songs would be great to be played, but it made sense why they didn't play it the way you know for the fortieth. Right. So yeah, this this set made made sense to me. Again, like I would love to hear all deep cuts, but I'm not the only person who paid to see the show. <laughs> and I just again, what I've been through, I'm just happy to hear whatever. <laughs> so then we have to me a quintessential Metallica song. Master of Puppets. It's actually my second favorite all-time Metallica song. I know that people are like, oh, it's a standard, but I can hear, it's a song I can hear anytime. I don't care. I love the song. It is, is great, great narration, great arrangement. It's just everything. I love everything about the song. Uh, so I'm very happy with it. Um, so it, it's, it's the classic and you saw people get excited. You, you were talking about the person next to you with their with their son, how exciting! Yeah, exactly. When they when they came into this song, he had five his son, and it was just kind of like you just saw them bond and just like quoting the chorus together and just like really jumping up and just like being engaged in it. And I do agree that it is that Quentin that that staple. It's just that song where which you know it's like master, master. And it just those riffs. It's just it, it just it's um it's such a uh, such a vibe, and it gets you going. It's one of my favorites, so I I definitely enjoy that they it came right in it came in perfectly too, uh, right after Harvester of the Sephora. And then just with the the harmonics, like people are like. Like, like, oh, it's just beautiful to just be in that moment and everyone singing together. And it's it's just Metallica, they write amazing songs. And Master of Puppets is living proof of how amazing writers they are and arrangers and players. And, oh, man. Yeah. Oh. So then we get to Ride the Lightning. And this is... Oh my goodness. So this is another standard. And I feel like with the standards part, it's sort of like here are pivotal moments in our career. So of course, Master of Puppets was uh, the first metal album in the Library of Congress. And so it's the title track, or obviously I'm probably speaking way too deeply. (laughs) I could think probably just like, well, we'll just play this, but but I feel like like these songs are pivotal moments, uh, not just standards, but very pivotal moments in you know maybe not harvester, but but just um, just very special moments. So fade to black. I mean that was the moment uh, when they were on tour with Guns N' Roses where 
James Hetfield got burnt on stage because uh, the pyro was too much or he was standing in, in a, a place where he wasn't aware that, you know, so, so there's that. And of course, Fade the Black was the last song Jason Newstead played with them live. And like, there's just a lot of moments in Metallica history where Fade to Black was a significant song. And then of course, you know, the song subject matter, a lot of people can include in myself and relate to that. So it was another moment where I teared up and uh, at the end and I was just, wow. And so still tearing up, still processing it. And it didn't hit me until the next day. So of course, y'all y'all heard that uh, when we discussed it so I it's hard for me it's it's one of my favorite songs but it's really hard for me to listen to because of the subject matter so when James Hetfield dedicated the song to folks who are struggling that are afraid to talk to anyone and just said you're not alone I was just like what is going on so you talked about the song being therapeutic and just, either just a lot of people have come to him either in confidence or whatever saying I'm going through this or he's reading what people are going through or he's going through something or I don't know what but it's not like you don't always hear him say that so, like, a lot of times a song will be dedicated to a specific person or some or a crew member whatever but I don't know and maybe it's just what I've been dealing with uh, but when he said that 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 just really hit me that hit me hard and um, you know because like a week or so prior to the 40th like I almost didn't make it because I almost ended my life I was seconds away from doing that and I was like okay I'm in a crisis moment to call someone just to experience that and not want to be here and going through all of this stuff and it's just like you know it'll just be better off not being here and then hearing that song obviously you know having experienced that various times in my life but just this moment having this band be essentially the soundtrack of my life at this point dealing with all of this stuff and just to hear it live and then have that dedication obviously we don't personally know each other, but just getting that energy, feeling that energy, it just really meant a lot to me. And yeah, tearing up there, I'm like tearing up now as I'm thinking about it. But yeah, um, the next day I just lost it, as you saw. And yeah, yeah. So I uh, that was <laughs> that was that was a lot. That was a lot. And again, I'm just so appreciative of this band. You know, the, the, again, I don't know them. They don't know me. But there's just a lot of emotion and a lot of connection. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's it's a big thing. Uh, wow. <laughs> so I don't know what your, what your feelings were. Uh, I mean, I echo the same sentiments. That's a very emotional song. And I can understand why you would, anyone really, listening to those lyrics, that, you know, that song does it. It's a, it's a very heavy song. And I, I enjoyed it because I knew just while listening, you know, I was able to connect with it. And I know how much it meant 
like I said earlier, the way they perform these songs over the years, um, it takes a different meaning each time, but it also is always still connected to that that seed original meaning. So it's definitely an emotional uh, ride, but worth it because it's you know it, it causes for a lot of reflection and uh, that's what music is supposed to do. So it's one of those uh, necessary yet you know emotional experiences to listen to that. And it was really nice to listen to it. They they did an amazing job. Yeah. Then we have Kill 'em All. <laughs> with Lash. And a lot of, <laughs> and a lot of people uh, were like, they're gonna end with seek. They're gonna end with seek and destroy. And people are like, wait, they're doing whiplash? Wait, what's going on? So <laughs> people like, huh? And so they did that, and of course, people are like, whiplash. Yeah, so that that was really cool that you know they yeah again like when they did their more recent sets before the 40th they would start with Whiplash. I feel like Whiplash was expected on a level, but I don't know there was something to to roundaboutly end Whiplash. Like they could have done Motor Breath, which that would have been great too. <laughs> they could have like ended with anything, but I, but I feel like Whiplash was appropriate. Because of the single line, we'll never stop, we'll never quit, because we're Metallica. But of course, the live version, they say, because you're Metallica. But what happens? He usually sings it. But in the 40th, what happens? Pauses and has the audience sing, because we're Metallica. So it was just this this very special moment. Um, and so I, I think Whiplash was a very appropriate song to yeah. roundaboutly end with. And then, so as that goes on, uh, James Hetfield says that the little he did talk. <laughs> um, so he thanks the crew. He thanks everyone who uh, put this event together, who contributed. Thanks, you know, everyone who is at the 40th. And then he thanks his brothers in the band. And so he gets into that. And Kirk comes over to him. And I don't, it seems like Kirk was not expecting that. So he's just like, oh, you know, kind of. And so he says, I'm talking to you, Kirk. And he's just like, oh, I appreciate you. And then they all, they all, they all embrace. I was just like, oh, oh, oh. So this just made me think of when they were at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And when James was like, lastly, I'd like to thank Lars and, you know, all of this or living our dream of being the greatest heavy metal band in the world. And they both embrace. And I just watch that over and over and over. It just makes me tear up because that at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and also at the 40th, it was just years of joy and pain and heartbreak and sorrow and anger and hate and love all in that embrace and it was just everything they experienced to get to that point was in that embrace and I just really appreciated that and to see these four kids grow into these mature men and just added just along the journey just wisdom and it, it was just it was a lot too it was a very emotional part and and just, just even over this to see Rob embraced in the way he was. And I think they did a lot to correct their actions in terms of Jason. And yeah, I mean, they get along with Jason now, but I think to 
just do a lot of work around like, okay, this is how we treat this person. We need to rectify that. And how just, just seeing how they've embraced Rob and just him just being, I don't know. It was just very emotional for me to see that. And then they go into seek and destroy. Like, we got one more song and here's a song that uh, me and Lawrence worked on. Seek. I just, it was just like, oh. So a lot of people got their wish that they ended with Seek. And uh, I don't know what your feelings are on that. Perfect like, song to end it on, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I like that's perfect song to end on. Seek and destroy. I mean, everyone was just in it. And he started it. It's just like he gave the prep for it. It's like seek and destroy. Bam. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely some some people like yeah yeah these these dudes in front of me like looked back and we were like seek back and destroy. It was, it was really cool. Yeah, it was it was a time that it's just people got together and celebrated these moments and it was it was beautiful. So yeah, uh, <laughs> we went this both nights. Obviously, yeah, I I would like to actually watch a stream of it at some point because I was just so into it. There's a lot of things I didn't catch. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, yeah, so I just yeah, I there were people who watched the stream and caught a lot of stuff and they were like, wait a minute. And yeah, I just thought the the graphics were amazing just the colors the watches that lit up with the songs oh yeah the, yeah, the light right <laughs> cool like there was the one where and bryce loves this part but when they did one and all the lights sort of like came in the middle and then it went and yeah just stuff like that with the 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 thought that went into even yeah. the the wristbands and the the way the lights went i just just a lot went into this and it was a it was a simple set yeah they had the pyro a little bit here and there but i love when they do sets without bells and whistles i love when it's just them on stage and you know, again they're they're getting older they don't need uh, a lot of fancy stuff they don't you know they don't and yeah again there wasn't that much talking but as much as i love that is this they really were like we're here to celebrate what we've done for 40 years and we're just going to let the music talk. And so, yeah, it's possible that, again, like we're streaming so we don't have a lot of time. So I'm sure that was a logistics thing. If they were doing a show that wasn't streaming, there'd probably be a, a lot more banter. But I, I like how they did it. I love hearing James Hetfield talk. I, I, you know, you can read a book and it's like, yeah. But I, I appreciate how they did it. I, I think they did a, a really great job at conveying the 40 years they've been on this earth. Uh, I am just extremely grateful for uh, experiencing uh, Metallica in my lifetime. Yeah. yeah. That's what I feel too. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to, again, rediscovering and going to listen to a lot of their music again. Let this still process, check out more live performances. I've been watching that out, the Outlaw Torn video over and over again. Uh, really the one that oh. you sent me yeah because the man oh, yeah it's just like that i love that song especially when he gets into that solo at the end it's just mm -hmm. like it's it just oof, it could just go on on and on and on i would never tire of it 
so yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to rediscovering more of Metallica because you know they're the type of band that requires kind of deep dive, and fortunately their music is great, so it's not hard to just get <laughs> lost into their you know all of the their sound. And I'm just so happy I went to this. Like I'm glad that I can say I was a part. You know, I went to the 40th show with you, especially since you being, you know, having this experience with them is the way it just takes a whole new meaning. So I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesse. Yes. Thank you.